Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, have you caught your breath yet? Uh, <laughs> 30 to 28, the Packers pull out a last-second victory in San Francisco. With this one, we might as well start with the finish. 37 seconds on the clock, no timeouts, ball on the 25. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Mason Crosby, and some really good pass protection get the job done for the yep. Packers. Moments of greatness reveal themselves, you know, in those clutch moments. And it, it's just, it's incredible going back and looking at some of the transcripts, you know, from Kyle Shanahan in the locker room for the 49ers. 37 seconds left. They knew there was too much time left on the clock. Now, that's not to say the Green Bay Packers are just going to go down and at their own will put points up against them. But that's way too much time to give Aaron Rodgers to make something happen. and Even with no timeouts. Even with no timeouts. Yeah. And, and as Rodgers said, and he so eloquently put afterwards, you know, he knew he needed two chunk plays to be able to get downfield. They needed to get within the 37-yard line there, basically to give Mason Crosby a chance at this thing. And what are you going to do? You're going to look towards Devontae Adams. And you know, Adams pretty much imposed his will on San Francisco in the first half. A lot of injuries in their secondary, pretty banged up. They were having a hard time. You know, trying to defend against him. They eventually shifted to the cover two look, giving him a little bit more attention in the second half. But on that final series, I mean, they were content to try to find ways to play a semi-prevent defense. They still rush four, but they put guys back. And Aaron Rodgers went to work, man. I mean, that first play, as he talked about later on, something that they kind of even drew up in the dirt at practice on Thursday. Right. For... You know, Adams to come across and Rodgers to put that ball where he did just over the outstretched arms of Fred, almost said Fred Taylor, Fred Warner. Sure. One of the best in the business at, at inside linebacker right now. To get those 25 yards right off the bat, once they got to midfield, I think everybody felt pretty good about their chances to be able to at least give Mason Crosby a chance to hit the game winner. Yeah, once the ball was on the 50, as Rodgers said, he knew going into it, two chunk plays is what you need. He got the first one, the ball's at midfield. At that point, you know, I mean, Crosby said afterward his range was, you know, 54 to, to 56 yards. Maybe you could push it a little further if you absolutely had to. Uh, one more completion one more chunk of yardage there got that kick to 51 and you know that certainly well within Crosby's range I thought it was interesting that Adams right after the game said that in some ways the fact that there were no timeouts might have worked to the Packers advantage because with no timeouts the 49ers were were guarding the boundaries they were they they were leaving the middle of the field open thinking that a couple of completions in the middle of the field and the time it would take to go up and spike the ball that maybe the Packers wouldn't quite have enough. And it turns out they did. They had three seconds to spare, even with the one incomplete pass yes. in between. The two completions, the two spikes, three seconds to spare. And uh, um, and the Packers get out of San Francisco with, uh, with an incredibly uplifting victory. Um, you know, these two teams... Long ways to go in this season, obviously, but these, I think, are two teams we're going to be talking about come December when we're, you know, looking at playoff picture and whatnot. Very much so, because the weapons now for San Francisco are more than just their running backs. I mean, you know, Debo Samuel, he's going to be a problem here for the NFL. <laughs> I thought George Kittle, when he's healthy, it's him and Travis Kelsey as far as 1A, 1B for the best of that position. But what struck me the most about that final drive was the psychology of it. And Rodgers explaining, you know, you can't be looking for checkdowns there. That's, that's bad. 
But they also, the way they bracketed the sidelines, 49ers were basically protecting against allowing any pass in the middle of the field to get to the sidelines. So what does Green Bay do? Devontae Adams goes down the first time, gets the 17 yards, gets down again, playing with a backup left tackle and all these moving pieces. They managed to set their formation, spike the ball, and Mason Crosby, for what, the ninth time in his career now, goes out there and drills home a game winner. You know, it got a little close for comfort in terms of the pass rush or the, you know, the, the attempted block there by San Francisco. But, yeah, that was awfully close. But be that as it may, horseshoes and hand grenades, the Green Bay Packers came out. They found a way to win this thing. They had the weight of the world on them in the fourth quarter. So many different circumstances, some questionable officiating. I mean, different variables. But more than anything, San Francisco showed a never-say-die attitude, and they came back to put themselves in that ball game. But ultimately, Mike, I said it in Insider Inbox. You and I have talked about it this week. The Green Bay Packers were the better football team, and Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams were the two best players on the field. That's what showed in crunch time. Yeah, absolutely. The, Packer, the Packers were the better team on the field in this game for the vast majority of it. I mean, the fact that the 49ers never had the lead in the game until there were 37 seconds left on the clock, that says a lot with the Packers playing on the road. We had talked about it last week, how important it was. Rodgers had talked about it after the Detroit game. Lafleur as well, how important it was to get off to a fast start. The Packers were able to do that getting out to a 17-0 lead in the second quarter. The defense was playing really well. The offense was moving the ball. The 17-0 could have been even better, obviously. The yep. Packers had had a failed fourth and one in the red zone there that, that left points out there. But they got off to the start that they needed to. And for the most part, really, up until that final drive by San Francisco, the Packers prevented the San Francisco momentum shifts because they were there. There yep. were the shifts, but they prevented them from becoming that, that tsunami where the other team just completely takes over and suddenly you're, you're totally on your heels and you can't figure out how to, how to stem the tide. That never really happened. San Francisco, give them credit. They put together, Garoppolo puts together the drive. The big play to Kittle was, uh, was really the backbreaker for the Packer defense there. And, uh, and San Francisco gets into the end zone, but uh, Aaron Rodgers had just enough time to go the other way. And, and Rodgers and, and Adams have already discussed I mean, just how, how talented they are and to be able to have that connection, being able to find a way to win that football game, all the credit to them in the world. Well, we saw, we saw the back shoulder throws early, yep. and then you see the balls over the middle late in the game. I mean, when Aaron Rodgers needs it, it's, there's, there's no secret uh, you know, who's going to get the football. But I, I'm going to mention this because he'll be the last person to bring it up, but I mean, the game plan that Matt LaFleur and his coach is put together and the way they coach that football team I thought really shined through in this game uh first and foremost you look at you know you have Yash Nyman making a spot start at left tackle I went back and did the math Mike 1044 days since the last time that young man started in a meaningful regular season game you have to go back to you know his time at Virginia Tech and here he is protecting the blind side of the NFL's reigning league MVP Nyman did an exemplary job in that game. But it's also Matt LaFleur and his coaching staff being really smart with their game plan, right? They understood you can't put the you can't put everything on this kid against Nick Bosa. There were times where it needed to be that. But Mercedes Lewis, best blocking tight end in the National Football League, taking on Bosa. Sometimes even one-on-one. -on -one. Robert Tunyon had that chip block that made all the raves on social media on Monday where he was able to get the the pancake of Bosa down. That young offensive line gives up one sack in this game, and Rodgers gets the ball out quickly. 
it was your quintessential team victory in the way they went about this thing and the fact that they were able to establish the momentum that they had despite the fact they were without their top two offensive linemen. Yeah, absolutely. You look at, and I mentioned this in a couple different places on our website, you look at that starting offensive line on Sunday night, the two rookies at center and right guard, you had John Runyon at left guard, as you just mentioned, Yash Nyman at left tackle. Those four guys, four-fifths of your offensive line, collectively had five NFL starts to their name heading into that game on Sunday night. Now they have nine. They almost yeah. doubled it. They went from five to nine because they all, they all <laughs> added another start. But obviously, Nyman, it was his first. For Runyon, it was his second. For the two rookies, it was their third, having, you know, with this being week three and them being starters in the opener this year. That was pretty remarkable to me how that group held up throughout the, the course of four quarters the way that it did. But you also mentioned the game plan. Now, I'm not saying, obviously, that we haven't seen the Packers do this, but the vast majority of the time on third down, it was shotgun, empty backfield, spread them out. And you may say, well, aren't you leaving, you know, isn't that leaving the offensive line vulnerable? No, that was a, that was a plan on third down to get the ball out of Rodgers' hands. He was going to have as many targets as possible. He was going to scan the field before the snap, and he was going to know where he was going to not leave him vulnerable to that third down pass rush of a Nick Bosa or an Eric Armstead or a D Ford or a blitzing Fred Warner, whatever the case might be. That was the plan. I, I can probably count on three fingers or less the number of times on third down that the Packers did not empty the backfield and go shotgun. The, the, the plan was clear about getting the ball out of Rodgers' hands in those potential pass rush situations. And for the most part, the way the Packers were moving the ball, it was, it was hard to argue with the results. Yeah, and, the, and exactly. And being able also early on, I, you know, I felt like getting off to a fast start, we'll talk about the defense here momentarily, but to get off to the fast start that they did, getting out of the gate, Rodgers talked about it afterwards. He's been so reiterating how much he wanted them to get off, you know, the energy to come out the right way. They did that in this game. And, you know, they haven't broken a 70-yard run yet this season. But A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones combining for 25 carries for 100 yards, just really clean, consistent production. And being able to do it against that front, I think that allowed those offensive linemen to get comfortable. I thought you really saw Josh Myers' athleticism in this game and his ability to get to the second level. I think, as I've continued to say on this broadcast, Billy Turner is one of the most underrated players on this team. And the fact is, he's been a really stable presence at right tackle since they put him there last season. Yeah, we sure didn't hear much from D. Ford on Sunday night. And that was, that was Turner's assignment. And yes, there were some chips on, on that side as well. But obviously, the chipping was mostly focused uh, at left tackle with Nyman. And, and, uh, and Turner, Turner was a, a country not heard from, and that worked out perfectly. And that's exactly what you're looking for when you decide we're going to take this one spot that's vacant and we're going to put a young player in there that's never started an NFL game. You don't want to have to worry about the right side there, and I thought Turner held up his end of the bargain. But I'll just close on this in regards to the offense. For Devontae Adams, with all the attention he's received, to have 25 catches, the most catches in franchise history through the first three games of the season, to have 300 receiving yards already, have you know come back from a nasty, nasty, vicious hit yeah. from Jimmy Ward that should have been a helmet-to-helmet, to do all that and get back on the field and come up with two huge catches for 42 yards in the clutch. Devontae Adams, as we continue to see, Mike, it's so fun when you can watch a guy ascend to a certain level, but watching him now sustain and elevate from that level, an all-pro level, 
has been a really treat. Has yeah. been a really big treat. Yeah, no question about it. Absolutely no question about it. Some shout-outs to our sponsors here, Wes. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7. 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. We got a new guy on the Cousins train, too. Did you see that? Our uh, social media coordinator over here, Stephen Huddy. That's right. Hoodie, yes. Whatever Stephen. he pronounces his last name. Yeah, Stephen is, uh, yeah, he's becoming a big Cousin Subs. He tweeted fan. me a nice little photo. Cousin. Maybe that's what go. the thing should be. Like, hey, if yeah. you uh, tweet your your cousin's food at me i'll give you a shout out on unscripted <laughs> yeah. don't give anyone any ideas <laughs> well on the defensive side of the ball in this game for the packers it was it was a strong start an incredibly athletic interception by jayer alexander on the deep ball to george kittle unfortunately the packers did not turn that turnover in into points and really wes the 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 unfortunate thing with the way the defense was playing was that that long kickoff return was allowed right before halftime because then the 49ers only had about 30 yards to go. They were able to get in the end zone um, and still probably shouldn't have if because uh, I think I agree with Matt LaFleur. I think it was intentional grounding on Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he was going to throw an interception in the end zone if he actually tried to throw it, and uh, so he spiked the ball into the ground. That aside, the Packers were on their way to a first-half shutout, which would have actually been a four-quarter shutout going back to – the second half of the Monday night game against the Lions. And, uh, and you know, this is a defense that obviously knows Darius Smith, lost Chris Barnes to a, a concussion in the game along the way. Kevin King, they find out he's ill and, and uh, is out for the game um, on game day. And, uh, and I thought the defense, I know the final drive was frustrating to a lot of fans. I get it. But that's also the way this, the way this thing can work in the NFL. I thought this Packer defense... To, in, in my eyes, took a big step forward from where it was the first two weeks of the season. It did, and, and especially from the standpoint of it needed to start fast. I think that was the thing I talked about. They needed to set the tempo. They needed to stop the run. In San Francisco, a team that ran all over them two years ago could not run the football against them in this game. That and was frankly kind part. of gave up on it, even they though did. they weren't, they weren't, they were never out of the Packers were leading the whole time, but they were never, it, it was never a completely abandoned the run situation for an offense yet. San Francisco just never wanted to commit to it at all. So you look at the scoreboard then I understand that that's the ultimate indicator of where things are at, but that's the reason why green Bay was able to start pinning its ears back gets four sacks in this game after really struggling to get pressure the first few weeks. I thought Preston Smith had his best game of the season, looked like a stud throughout, a lot of pressure. Uh, Kenny Clark was a man possessed and made one of the biggest plays in the game by forcing what ended up being. I mean, the, the game turned really into trying to judge what Jimmy Garoppolo's passes were doing. You know, and, and it was funny to hear Garoppolo talk after the game about, yeah, you know, I, that was kind of on the refs with the, my pass at the fumble. Unless, and maybe someone can explain it to me, but I grew up underneath the understanding that if it's a pass that goes backwards, no matter which, if it goes in directly or if it goes inside, it's a fumble. Yeah, the only time it's not is if, if, if it comes out of his hand forward and the defense bats it backwards, then it's a forward pass. To Quite frankly, Wes, I think Garoppolo on the play that he fumbled in the fourth quarter, I think he was trying to do the same thing yes. that he did at the end of the first half. He was trying to basically just spike the ball and get rid of it to avoid it. the sack. Well, that yeah. time it cost him because his shoulder got turned, the ball went backwards, and it was alive. And 
and Devondre Campbell recovered it for Green Bay. It was funny, too, when you mentioned the, the, the intentional grounding. And I don't disagree. I even tweeted during the game, yes, that's intentional grounding. But of all, out of all the, in my own eye, botched calls throughout that game, that was the one I at least understood the rationale for it because the referee yeah. said, well, he was trying to throw it to Kittle. Fine. I can understand that. But, and I want to get into the, the call stuff, but between the, the catch that Sanu had, between the defensive pass interference on Eric Stokes, between the hit on Devontae, there was so much about that game that was obtuse that it just it, it goes without saying. But that being said, the Packers defensively, the reason they won this game is because of how they played in the first half and how they were able to keep San Francisco off the board, allow themselves to get off to a fast start. Yes, there was production late. Yes, there were some injuries there. They lose Chris Barnes. They had to adjust to that. But all that being said, you know, I was really impressed by how this defense has really picked itself up after a rough first six quarters. No one's debating that. No one's denying that. Yep. But been able to show more of what it's supposed to look like, despite the fact they don't have, you know, Zadarius Smith right now. So yeah. I, I thought that was a major step forward. Yeah, absolutely. And quite frankly, the final drive, yes, the defense needs to rise up and get a stop there with the score 27-21. Unfortunately... It was a mistake by the third safety in the dime, Henry Black, that led to the ruptured play with, uh, with George Kittle. 39 yards on that play, well, that's more than half of the 75 yards they, they, uh, they, they had to defend. And that's, that's the one thing you can't do in those late game, you know, whether it's four-minute, two-minute situations, is you can't give up those huge chunks of yardage. You have to give yourself the opportunities down the field at the 35, at the 45, at the, at the minus 45, at the yep. minus 40 to potentially get those stops and keep the other team out of scoring range. The 39-yard play to Kittle, suddenly the, the 49ers went from needing 75 yards to get a touchdown to being in complete command with plenty of time on the clock and everything that they, that they wanted to do. So that, that's, that's the one thing. And the, the Packers, the way the, the way the last game and a half had been going, they were not giving up explosive plays. They just gave one up at a bad time. Yeah, totally. And, and that's also the rich thing. It's kind of what I find quizzical. Because uh, fans will always say, well, why do they do this in two minute? Well, sometimes the way they play their two minute defense is because they don't want to give up the big ruptured play that not only allows a lot of production, but doesn't drain any time off the clock. That's, that's ultimately the game you're sort of playing there a little bit. Yep. But, you know, overall, you know, for to have as many moving pieces as they've had, you know, Jair Alexander, as you said, as incredible of an interception as you're going to find a guy going from the boundary position coming across there is, the field there is absolutely no way Jimmy Garoppolo thought that pass would be in danger yeah. of getting picked off he threw that deep down the middle to Kittle thinking either my great tight end is going to is going to make this play or it's just going to be an incomplete deep ball and Alexander comes swooping over and gets Four, that interception speed, and baby. gets a 20 25 yard return yeah. out of it to boot so uh, yeah just a, a a tremendous play by Jair but there. point being with that is Alexander's interception the four sacks the fact that Devondre Campbell got yet another takeaway this week which was a fantastic development from the inside backer position uh, the, the Packers are making plays defensively and that was the main thing and that first game against New Orleans they just couldn't generate positive plays for themselves and I just feel like yes there's going to be times where defenses or offenses get yardage but the way you can always neutralize that is by making plays defensively and I think you're seeing the studs the athleticism in the secondary and especially up front starting to reveal itself a little bit so I'm excited to see where they go this week now going up against you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, for sure. Well, last thing before we go, we'll just uh, take a look at where things stand in the NFC North. After three games, the Packers are all alone in first place at 2-1. and one. 
the Chicago Bears and Minnesota Vikings both one and two, having gotten there in very different fashions. The Bears now, they don't know who their quarterback is going to be because of the the injury situation. They might end up going to Nick Foles here in week four. The Vikings get a big win over the Seattle Seahawks. And as we talked about with the Vikings' first two games, they were so close to winning both of yep. those. The Minnesota Vikings are like, you know, fractions of inches from being a 3-0 and team here. Um, they are 1-2 and two with, with, uh, with an impressive win in the books. And the Detroit Lions, 0-3, oh losing, losing in a way that just has to be tremendous gut punch to, to Dan Campbell in trying to get his first win as an NFL head coach, allowing the 4th and 19, the missed delay game, the 66-yard record field goal that bounces off the crossbar. Detroit 0-3, but, but, uh, but an 0-3 that's been a pretty darn competitive one. Yeah, and that's the thing, Mike, with those AFC you know, crossover games, those are the times you have to see the AFC come through for you. So if you're the Packers, yeah, it sucks watching Detroit, which I think they're doing things the right way. I think Dan Campbell is the right voice for them right now, but you know, the Packers have to be happy to see them come up with an L there. Uh, it was incredible watching it develop. I, I was watching the actual play as in real time. And my boss, Duke Bobber, who had the uh, video or the game, whatever you call that game station, whatever ESPN has, where it has like the stat box score thing going on. Oh, okay. But they have the percentages on there for what the outcome is, you know, the win probability. And to see it go from Detroit Lions 99.9%. <laughs> to Baltimore Ravens 100% in just a quick, like, real-time refresh was jarring. And then to hit that field goal, I wrote this in inbox, Mike, pound for pound, I'll debate people if they want to talk about it, but Justin Tucker is the greatest pound-for-pound kicker that I think we've ever seen in this league in yep. terms of the, the pedigree coming into the league, his power, his accuracy, and the fact that he does come up in those clutch moments – the the Baltimore Ravens know what they have in Tucker. It's the reason he is the highest paid kicker in the league. But for him to come in there, 66 yards, that thing shouldn't have been close to the crossbar, let alone hitting it and bouncing over. And yeah. to see the Detroit fans behind it just in disbelief, well, it, it kind of sums up a lot. I think I think you were doing I think you were doing pregame radio at the time. I was I was watching in the little conference room where, where we watched the uh, um, the game against San Francisco Sunday night, I was watching the NBC pregame show, and when they showed that highlight of Tucker's long kick, Drew Brees pointed out, zeroing in on Tucker, how he actually did like a little crow hop, like a, yeah. like a baseball outfielder does, you know, in trying to throw out a guy at home plate kind of thing. He did a little crow hop with his footwork to get that much more into that kick. And the fact that a guy can, that a guy can do that, and the thing is, dead on accurate i mean he hit the he hit the crossbar at 66 yards but right in the middle of the crossbar i mean he was straight down the middle with that kick even adjusting his footwork and everything to try to get a little bit more energy into it it looked like the guy is is what it looked like yeah the guy is the guy is a phenomenal kicker had the 61 yarder in that same stadium ford field to help out the packers in 2013 when the lions were looking like they were going to win the nfc north that year and now he hits a 66 yarder at Ford Field just unbelievable yeah pretty special moment but yeah for the Green Bay Packers two and one it's a good place to be right now in a division where there's a there's a lot of teams working through some early early season adversity right now yeah absolutely and the Packers are back at home in week four against Pittsburgh which we will talk about on our next show for that we're calling it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team all week long on Packers.com for Wes I'm Mike thanks for tuning in everybody See you next time.